The Beckers team is excited to be making our return to in-person events this fall. Join us in September for Beckers Hospital Review 6th Annual Health IT and Revenue Cycle Conference. We have opportunities to attend the in-person program in Chicago and also to join us virtually from the comfort of your own home. For information about registering and to find out if you are eligible to attend free of charge, reach out to us at registration at beckershealthcare.com. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by the Vice President of Innovation and IT Corporate Systems at one of the most innovative systems in the country. We're joined by Michelle Stansbury today. Michelle's going to talk to us about how the delivery of care is changing, how competition strategy is evolving, and a little bit more. Michelle, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Well, this is Michelle Stansberry. Um, I am, as you said, the VP of Innovation at Houston Methodist and um, here in the Texas Medical Center, and I've been with Houston Methodist for 28 years now. It's simply amazing. Talk about, you've been there for 28 years. Talk about how the delivery of care has changed in that 25 to 30 year period, plus how much it's changed in the last couple of years, in the last year or so. What do you see in terms of the what was it like 28 years ago? What's it like today? And how much has that changed in the last year? Well, it's a very interesting question because um, I will tell you 28 years ago, and I, I used to work in oil and gas and technology before I got into healthcare. Um, and I will tell you the one thing that I did notice when very first getting into healthcare was that from a technology perspective, how far behind healthcare was versus kind of other industries. Um, you know, and it's come a long way in that 28 period, you know, with um, EMRs that have really grown over the years and starting to provide really that um, comprehensive, you know, care model and things that for our physicians and our clinicians to be able to take care of our patients and really absolutely and in, in just how it evolved to be able to allow patients to be able to get their data and be able to do a lot of different things that they couldn't previously do before without, you know, making a phone call or having to go into a clinician's office. So really, really drastic change. And, you know, one of the biggest items I would say from a technology perspective is, you know, we used to develop these five-year, 10-year plans. I don't think you can do that anymore. I think you can develop a two-year plan because, you know, technology is so drastically changing. Um, and so rapidly that it, it's very hard to really truly predict um, how far technology is going to change, even within a one-year period. You know, kind of how have things evolved and changed over this past year? Um, I think it, it, it's most health systems have truly just been hyper-focused on taking care of this COVID population, truly trying to get everyone vaccinated, as many as the people who are wanting to get vaccinated. And so, you know, it really did change how, you know, people, we were trying to take care of patients because that was just the, the, the focus at the moment and it needed to be. But I think as we're trying, you know, we're coming out of this and now how should we be changing and how things are evolving and, you know, how the services have changed. I mean, I think it's now just getting back to, you know, core foundation of what we all do as health systems on trying to, you know, take care of our patients. But the things that are really, you know, different now than it wasn't, that it, you know, it wasn't back then, year and a half ago, and I really think it's this whole concept of virtual medicine. Previously, before I think people were doing it, but it wasn't in, you know, great numbers. Truly, truly changed during COVID, and now it is. How is it really going to advance? How much of it is going to stay around? How much more are we going to be offering, you know, these types of services to patients? 
And not only just from a virtual perspective, but how is technology and devices going to be able to connect in to better offer that virtual experience um, instead of having to come into a physician's office or instead of having to come back in for you know a post-op visit or even having to go into the EDs, which, as you know, can become very crowded. And sometimes it's not even necessary that you need to go into the EDs. So, you know, that's where I see this, this whole evolution of, of what happened. And then just if you take it on the employee level, I, I, you know, I think the big difference that many organizations are somewhat struggling with is where do you still allow some of your employee base to work at home instead of coming back into the office? So, you know, those to me, those are, those are the interesting changes that I believe have happened. And let me ask you a question. I was on the podcast with a different system earlier today, and of course during the during the pandemic, the, the heart of it at least, and hopefully we're out of the heart of it, they had moved up to you know ninety percent outpatient visits by telehealth, virtual care, and so forth. And it was surprising to me that they were now down to twenty two percent of outpatient visits by virtual care. What are you seeing at Houston Methodist in terms of that mix? Is will it be a long term hybrid model? I think we all expect that, but is it is it move down that dramatically to where so much more is being done in person again, or what's, what's the, what are you saying? It has shifted. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. The numbers did not stay up, of course, where they were during COVID, but you know, that was part of the reason of people did not feel safe to come in, did not want to come into hospitals or physician offices. Um, so yes, it has shifted. We have not gone back to the numbers that we had previously seen, but it has down shifted to, you know, um, much lower than what we had seen during the height of COVID. You know, I, I will say, I think it's, it's, it's on any kind of natural curve. You know, it went way up during COVID when it needed to, it's going back down. But I do see that individuals who now understand that virtual care is an option to normally going into the offices, it, you will see it go up slightly. And the reason I've kind of say that is because I, I know at Houston Methodist, we didn't have a whole lot of our specialty groups using virtual medicine prior to COVID. COVID hit, and of course, we had a lot. We had, you know, many of our physicians who were having to do virtual visits. I think we're now you're going to see in, these, in, the, in the specialty group is that now they see it as an option for their patients. You know, it could be pre, pre-visit, could be post-op visit. Again, on the ED side, um, I don't know that you'll ever, I don't know that we'll ever see the numbers go back up to where it was at COVID. But I do think it will go slightly back up from where it is now, just because I think people are, hey, I haven't seen my doctor. I have not been able to go into, you know, to get a face-to-face visit. And there's some comfort in doing those visits um, instead of just from a, a virtual session. So, you know, See the numbers go down. I do think it will go slightly up, but never like it was with COVID. And, and speaking of, of health systems, coming back to core health systems, for health systems to excel and thrive in the next decade, and you mentioned this, that strategic plans now or technology plans can be two, three years versus five, 10 years. But what do you see on the technology side that health systems will need to be great at to thrive? Well, it's, you know, health systems have always done extremely well in providing, you know, quality care, safety, you know, and service. But, you know, in order, I think, to thrive, um, there has to be this balance of convenience for patients. 
Um, we're a society, and I, you know, Scott, I think I've told you this before. We're a society who is very used to on demand, having things done now that I like, and in the way that I want it. And that's where I get back to convenience. And the convenience could be simply, you know, I don't want to have to log into a portal to have to schedule appointments or send a message to my doctor. Um, why can't I do it just through text-based? Um, you know, I don't want to have to like, I don't want to have to log into a portal to really have to, you know, maybe pay a bill or do other things. Um, so I think where health systems are truly going to have to, you know, evolve and get to a place where it is, how are you balancing privacy, quality of care, and convenience to the patient? And convenience it's, is going to be your question, just exactly what you're talking about because. Yeah. I've been messaging my doctor this morning through a portal to follow up on some test results, some procedure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess the question I have for you, so right, and he, the, the doctor happens to be my primary care physician who I've known since I was a child. And mm-hmm. I am sure that he doesn't want me texting him outside of the portal for, I assume, various reasons that at the end of the day, you know, it's much harder to keep track of the records. It's hard to keep track of everything and so forth. And, and, and I, I assume, like, as a, as a physician or a health system, it's much easier if all that messaging is consolidated through the portal, isn't it? I mean, but the patient would, of course, like, just pick up their phone and not log in and just text their physician. What, what's the balance on that, and where does that evolve to? Sure. And, you know, where you're going to have to get to the balance of it is truly in a secured manner when it you're involving clinical information. And that's the reason that you have the portals, right? It, it's the security aspect to know that your um, clinical information is really being kept private. Where I get, and I think that I'm not quite sure how, eventually I do think, you know, through um, security technology that eventually we will get to a point where it is somehow texting and our EHRs will be somewhat combined because somehow we'll need to know first that it is you, Scott, that we're communicating with, right? And how are we capturing that text-based information within our EHR? Because it is vital information. But where we're at today is, and I will tell you at Houston Methodist, and this is where I say that we have very much learned that patients don't like to log into their portals, is let's just say scheduling appointments. I mean, they want to be able to text just like they do their parents, their children, their friends, you know, um, we send out a text reminder, just basically reminding them of their appointment. And they can text back whether they confirm it, they would like to reschedule it. If they want to reschedule it, we provide them a date and time. And it's all done by that text-based communication. For our outpatient services, the same thing. So what what we're seeing, and I will tell you, the amazing part on this text-based communication is we get emojis, we get everything else where people are just, they love the concept but they didn't have to get a text saying, oh, please log into your portal so that you can get this information versus of, I get it right here and I can respond immediately to you with my preference of what I want to do, whether it's confirming the appointment, rescheduling or whatever it may be. I believe it's going to, people are going to want to do more of that. And that's where I say, I think that we as health systems trying to work with the appropriate um, groups and tech, you know, technology companies, how can we create more of that convenient communication without necessarily logging into the portal? Now, I will tell you, I don't know that you'll ever get away with, uh, I'm not going to send you your, text, your, your test lab test results through a text-based communication. 
I'm not going to, you know, send you any kind of clinical information. I think that will still always remain and be embedded in the portal. Um, but I think in any other ways of paying bills, scheduling appointments, um, wouldn't it be great if I could just text Houston Methodist, you know, schedule an appointment with um, Dr. Robin. Somehow Houston Methodist already in this text-based communication knows me through the portal. And once I validate that it's you and I know it, okay, we could respond back what days and times work for you. And that's the kind of well, you could see, but you could, but you could see, you could see though, because you're you're absolutely right. Patients are so used, consumers are just getting by text that if systems don't get great at it, someone else will get great at it, and it'll make an exactly. easier patient experience, and they'll end up drawing those patients. But but even with the test results, you could very easily see where you get a text that says, you know, it, you know, we've got your test results, so go log into your portal, and and where you could log in right from your text. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, the more that it's part of the patient's natural life, the easier it is to connect with the system, the less stressful it is for the patient, the, the more the patient wants to keep on connecting with that system. I mean, that, that's really at the end of the day. Uh, and then they got to make sure everything is quality healthcare with that system. But at the end of the day, that convenience, you're right, it's become so important how people live their lives and what they look for. Correct. And I mean, and that's all what we're talking about. But just, I'm going to kind of take it on the flip side of not only convenience for patients, but convenient for your clinicians. And this is where Houston Methodist, and I may have spoken to you about this previously before, but we truly believe voice is the wave of the future. And voice, we use it already today for our convenience. Think about your home and your devices that you have in, in your cars, everything else. Well, we believe that those clinicians could could utilize that technology to create efficiencies and conveniences in their daily lives within the clinic or within the hospital. And so we're already really piloting two solutions right now. One's on ambient listening, um, and the other one is within voice within our operating rooms. And uh, we've been partnering with Amazon to create these two products. Um, and it's basically the clinicians. For the ambient listening, I know that there's several products out there, but we wanted to take ours a step further so it does it from the very beginning of the patient visit to the very end when coding is actually done based upon the discussion that was had. And all the doctor has to do is then sign off on the note and understand the coding's correct and it goes off for, for claims to be, um, to be sent. And then in the OR, again, it's how can we um, create efficiencies there by you know, our surgeons being able to start a case, start a tourniquet, look up lab images, bring up lab images, PACS images, whatever it may be, stop the case um, and, di and dictate the, the discharge orders. So, you know, we've get, we're getting really great feedback with the pilots that we're doing from our physicians in that area. So much so that now our nursing staff is very interested, well, what can you do for us? The exact same thing. I mean, EMRs have been great, but I think what they've done is really hyper-focused the clinician on staying on the computer and not so much of being right there in front of the patient. And so that's where we believe voice is gonna take us to the future. And we're also doing it in our patient rooms so our patients have Alexa devices all in their rooms. Um, and eventually what we would like to see is that we use that same device at home so that you can begin to communicate with Houston Methodist directly. No, magnificent. And you could see where if a, if a clinician doesn't have to be typing in while they're talking, they can just talk it into the record while they're talking to the patient. 
we, it would be a, a ton more convenient. It'll take time to get it right and so forth. There's all these things too. But I could, I could start to see as you explain it to me how that would look and how that would feel and why that would be a big improvement. Mm -hmm. Michelle, well, exactly. And, and, and one, one last thing I want to tell you is really stop and think about the new smart TVs that are out there today. Wouldn't it be an absolutely wonderful idea if you could be able to use that smart TV to start a session with a physician or just being able to have a conversation with a clinician or someone without even having to log in, you know, again, from your computer to be able to do things. So this is where we see convenience again. You're always going to have to weigh out what's the quality of care that you're providing, but how are the convenience fitting into normal everyday life of a patient? Particularly on the smart TV, if I can get rid of the Xfinity or Comcast cable bill, I would be <laughs> delighted to use it and we'd be fantastic. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Michelle, I want to thank you for joining us. It's always informative. I always learn a lot. And it's very helpful for me to understand where you're taking this to the next steps. You submit to this amazing innovation and just a tremendous, tremendous work. Thank you very much, Michelle. Well, thank you for having me, Scott.